Hello and welcome to Mindful Venturing. I'm your host, Prashant Pongshe. And on today's episode, I'm going to talk about a word that is tricky to say and even trickier to understand. Equanimity. Oh, got a first go. So if you meditate or listen and read about all things mindfulness, you would have come across this word before. And I've noticed, particularly in the meditation apps and in a lot of the websites and podcasts and so on, it's becoming more and more prevalent. And I realize that the same has been true for my experience of mindfulness. I have been referring to this word more and more. And so today what I thought I would do is spend some time talking about the term and what it means and then share with you practically how I think of the think of equanimity and how I use it in my mindfulness routines. So let's get started. Now I'm sure at some point many, many years ago I looked up the dictionary, much as you might be, if you hadn't heard of this word. Uh, I appreciate that people listening to this podcast might not have and So the word is actually spelled E-Q-U-A-N-I-M-I-T-Y, equanimity. So a little tricky to say. And the dictionary definition talks about calmness and composure, especially in a difficult situation. Calmness and composure, especially in a difficult situation. Who isn't trying to live with equanimity uh, at this moment in what is now year three of the pandemic, but even pre and post pandemic, whenever that happens, If you're listening to this podcast, then you have been grappling with this in your personal and work life. So I think that's a good starting point. And looking up the synonyms of the word comes up with cool-headedness, tranquility, impassivity, assurance, self-confidence, and so on. All of these words are great, aren't they? It'd be great if we could live our lives this way, particularly during those challenging times. So that's why, as I said, it motivated me to do this episode because I think there's a lot there and there's a reason why people coming back keep keep coming back to the word. And as I said, it certainly helped me think about my mindfulness practices differently and in a way that really builds on top of some of my habits and routines which um, I'll discuss in a moment. I know that for me, quite often, when I think of equanimity, I think about it in those more challenging moments or at the start of the day because I am chasing, in an aspirational way, that calm state. And I found a definition on the calm blog, which I think encapsulates this feeling that I'm chasing. And what they say is equanimity is a state of mental calmness. We experience equanimity when we feel even or composed, especially under trying circumstances. Equanimity teaches us to be with whatever shows up. It helps us notice what shuts us down, pushes us away, or tears us wide open. It encourages us to step equally into the clear and muddy waters, that we stay present with each moment just as it is. So I really like that definition or way of putting it. This concept of teaches us to be with whatever shows up is really important. 
And when it says notice what shuts us down or pushes us away or tears us wide open, that takes you back to the mindfulness practice of noting and awareness and moving on to acceptance. So what I do, particularly in those really difficult and challenging moments, is say to myself, I'm now going to try and get to that state of mental calmness. Because I know that once I get there, I'll be at my best again. And because I've been doing this for a while, I have the self-confidence and the experience and that positive feedback of and memory of having been through that step of recovery, of aiming for that goal, of trying to reach that state of equanimity, getting there and remembering what that feels like. So if in those difficult moments I'm able to do something mindful, either focus on my breath or whatever makes sense at that time, what a concept like equanimity helps me to is then make it more practical as to what happens next. Because mindfulness is very much about the present moment and keeping within that present moment non-judgmentally, which is very important. And if on those difficult days for me, if that's step one, then step two does need to be more of a solution as to what's next and how do I then get back to a state where I'm at my best. And that's when I've really noticed I have been returning more and more to this word and this concept. And so actually, if if I was speaking to my friend again and I was trying to describe this, I would start with this motivation of mine. Equanimity for me is me trying to get back to a state of mental calmness, however long that might take, but just giving myself the permission to feel whatever pain I'm feeling, to use mindfulness to get back to the present moment, and then in a practical way think about, okay, if I now want to get back to this calm state, how do I do it? What practical steps do I need to take? What practical steps can I not take? Am I unable to take? You know, if I've got back-to-back meetings for three hours, it's very unlikely that I'm going to be able to take some of the more, let's say, ideal actions, be it take a bit of time from work, go for a walk or do a quick meditation or whatever it might be. If I just can't in a workday do that, at least I'm acknowledging that, but also then I'm setting forward a plan to say, okay, at the end of these meetings, I'm blocking away this time. And that acknowledgement, that acceptance that, okay, I can't necessarily help myself right now, but I will be able to work towards that later, as well as perhaps do a few small things in between those meetings or what have you. So often even that is enough because it's just sending my mind the right signals. So what I'd encourage you to do in those moments is exactly that is try and find that mindful moment but if not think of those two or three things that you're going to do 
to bring yourself into that state of calmness. Write them down. Make it really quick, actionable, easy. Think about what has worked in the past. It could also be something as simple as phoning a friend or a loved one just to have a chat. I've done that in the past just to really have a bit of a reset from a particularly difficult moment. And more often than not, I find myself nowadays calling that person and saying, I'm not here to talk to you about problem X, just talk about something else because I still don't want to get into that solutions mode. Equally, there are days when I'm not really looking for empathy. I just want to feel a connection to somebody else as a way of taking my mind off things, as a way of just helping me reset. So think about what does bring that sensation of feeling recharged, re-energized, and try and involve somebody else in that because getting connected and staying connected is really a much easier way to do it rather than trying to do it all uh, by yourself. And equally, just give yourself permission to do something new, something exciting, something that is joyful that helps you get back to that calmness. I remember one afternoon, I I started thinking about um, a holiday we had and my way of sort of getting over this difficult afternoon was just looking at photos on my phone from that holiday. I didn't spend hours and hours doing this, but just doing it for a few minutes was a real mindful activity and it just brought a smile to my face and I was really overcome with feelings of gratitude and just happiness and and that just really helped me then when I did have to think practically about how to fix the issues I was facing, it just really helped me do that without being weighed down by negative emotions too much or what had happened before or you know what might happen in the future. I was just able to then much more easily just get on with it. So what I'm trying to show is that There are lots of practical ways to try and get back to this state of calmness, which do build on mindfulness practices quite nicely. And so I've given you a few examples and I'll give you a couple more. So another thing that I've now got into the habit of, and as I said, partly because I've now been doing this for a while. And so now very instinctively, it's in my toolbox for when things get a bit tough. Um, during these more recent lockdowns and so on, when, yeah, I just needed a break or to get away from it, what I started doing was not just taking a a walk around the neighbourhood, but also playing a particular Spotify playlist to help just reset my brain. And after only, I would say, a couple of weeks, even before I went out for that walk, I was looking forward to it because I thought to myself, oh, yeah, you know, it's been a tough hour, sometimes work-related, but sometimes, you know, in those lockdowns, it could be something related to some other issue that's come up at home. That's just one of those things that happens when you're working from home or when you're at home or when you're together in a lockdown or whether you're in a pandemic. So I'm not talking necessarily about something so difficult to deal with, just but just difficult enough to make it hard then to get back to work, to focus because physically I might then be after 
the issue or the event sat at my desk, but mentally I'm just finding it really difficult. And I'm sure you can relate to that. So that's something that really works for me is when I'm in that moment now, even I can anticipate, I can like, and, and, then, and then I can able to tell myself, you know what, it's going to be okay. Because in about half an hour, I can't do it right now, but in a half an hour, I'm going to go for that walk. I can even start hearing those songs in my head now. And it's going to be okay. And isn't that really powerful? Because even before I'm able to take that mindful action and try and get back to that calm state, I'm picturing it. I'm there. I'm sort of halfway there. And it's usually only about a 10 or 15 minute loop that I do. Um, sometimes it's longer, sometimes it's shorter, but that's all I need usually. So that's one thing that does work for me. And the other thing that if you've been listening to this podcast, it won't surprise you to learn is um, I tend to do little diary entries. Uh, I use an app called Day One, which is quite good for this. Just little short snippets during those moments about what I need to do to get back to that state of equanimity. And so often, just the act of just writing a few sentences down turns into a couple of paragraphs of self-compassion. And that's also powerful because using that self-compassion in concert with the mindfulness really works magic. And I've covered this in previous episodes and I'll link to some of those in the episode notes. And as I've said in the past, these little diary notes aren't meant to be published or aren't meant to be great pieces of writing. They're just short things that help me just get what I'm feeling, the emotion of it out. And it's amazing just how that starts off with a negative thought and a description of what the issue is, but so quickly turns into something self-compassionate, into, into acceptance, into also a more realistic appraisal of the situation. So it's also fascinating how often when I start down that road, I'm reminded of the fact that, hey, actually, it's not all that bad, or, hey, I've faced a similar situation before, and this is how that got better, and so on. But that's another example, practical way, in which I try and get back to that calm state. So I think that's a nice bite-sized introduction to equanimity. Um, I would love to hear from you about how you think of this word, or if you haven't heard of it, what you think of it now, and... Uh, you can reach me at podcast at mindfulventuring.com um, and as usual there's an easy feedback link in the episode notes whether it be pre, during or post pandemic we're all building habits and routines that will leave us more resilient for the rest of our lives and I really believe that and I'm sure if you've given some of these practices a go um, you believe that too so thank you very much for listening and until next time, keep calm and venture on.